0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Troy Nunes is an Absolute Podcast. I'm your host, as always, John Casillo, and with me today is Dan Lyons. Hello, everyone. Happy week one. Happy week one. Happy game week. Happy Stomp Liberty into the next Millennium Week, whatever you want to call it. Uh, there's football this weekend. There was football last weekend, but not of the Syracuse variety. I am personally very excited. I know you are very excited uh dan what what is the thing that you've missed most about football season since it's been gone
1: um just the kind of the week to week having something to look forward to uh every, you know ha- having something to enjoy on saturday and then you get a solid full week of breaking that down and, and something to look forward to for the following weekend It's just especially like if there's a season like last year where you're really building to something awesome at the end like it's uh there's there's not much like it so um just very excited. Uh, we got a nice like appetizer last week. Miami Florida wasn't that great, but it was football, and then Arizona, Hawaii was a blast if you stayed up till like two two 245 in the morning, <laughs> like I did. Um, really, really fun week zero game uh, out in the islands, so uh, yeah, very, very stoked to get, uh, get going here towards the SU Liberty game at 6 p.m. on Saturday.
0: Yeah, I spent more time with the Villanova Colgate game than any other game on Saturday, to be honest. Uh, that wasn't like an intentional thing just cause I, I feel like I, I take over every Saturday for like a, you know, 12 to 14 week stretch. So I felt it was only fair that like, I, I didn't plan anything around watching the games. Um, so I didn't watch a ton of, of the later games, but I did watch, uh, the, the first game of the day that everyone was talking about the, uh, the Villanova Colgate game on CBS sports network.
1: That is certainly fair. And, uh, you were not alone. I, like about as much buzz for an FCS game as I can remember, which was uh, probably pretty good for that level to kind of get that that spotlight.
0: Yeah, very smart scheduling on their end. Um, but yeah, why don't we go a little bit into Syracuse? I think we can start with the depth chart, which came out today. There, I feel like there were always a couple surprises here and there, and Dino did not surprise. Well, did not let us down on that front. Uh, notably, the offensive line I think looks a little bit different than Weed. Thought going into this week, Carlos Vettorello and uh, Aaron Service are your uh, starting tackles. Evan Adams and Dakota Davis are your starting guards. Sam Heckle is your starting center, which means that he is healthy enough to go at least on paper, which is great. Um, you figure anybody who even has like some slight, you know, nicks and bumps is probably going to uh, sit on the bench for this week, if only because you know, hopefully, you know, the the distance between us and Liberty is not that is is not that close. You will be able to to play a lot of you know non starters. So really, if they're going to miss a game, uh, you know th- this opener is not the worst one to miss. Uh, also, so that Ryan Alexander and Darius Tisdale are not starters at this moment. Uh, so there's a lot of people though that think that may change. Uh, that was my like, big big surprise, I guess.
1: But Dan, what was like kind of what kind of shocked you when you first looked at the depth chart? Yeah, no, I think the offensive line is the first thing you jump to. Um, it seems like we're kind of in a situation where because of our our versatility in terms of positions, you're kind of going with the best two of three between Servais, Alexander and heckle. Um, obviously Servais and heckle can both play center Cervase uh, is starting at left tackle. He can play out there. Um, it's interesting to see him uh, beat out uh, Alexander. And then I guess uh, Vettorello is the other, the other cog in this machine here, because I think we kind of anticipated it to being Cervase uh, and Alexander on the outside, Vettorello taking that right tackle spot as a retro freshman, um i think you can probably say it's a good sign like i think you know in an ideal world your redshirt freshman beats your grad transfer um it's just not usually how that turns out especially you know we had pretty good success uh going after the grad transfer market last year um but off the line like it's one of those things where it could shake itself out like a couple weeks into the season um so there's no guarantee it stays this way uh but it is an interesting look it's not what we expected
0: uh yeah i i think anytime you know a freshman's on the line you're not necessarily thrilled about it. At the same time, like in this case, since we brought in transfers and, and, and the freshmen are still at the top of, of the depth chart, I think speaks really highly about the talent that Dino Baber's been, been able to bring in. And Veterello kind of takes the headlines there because he was at the top of the depth chart. Uh, that said, you know, over at, uh, what was it? Oh, in the uh, right tackle spot right behind Vetterello is uh, Matthew Bergeron, who's a true freshman um, from up in Canada. So you know, again, the talent level that, that Babers and staff have been able to bring in in recent years has definitely gone up. Uh, I, I'm really excited to see what this group does uh, in the first couple of weeks, and, and and maybe see if if there's glimmers of, of being able to get sort of the same production we got last year, uh, especially heading into that Clemson game, which is going to be tough, even with them uh, replacing you know their front four.
1: Yeah, on the other side, I think. Um... We it looks like we are going to maybe actually see this 4-2-5 that we've been uh teased with for going into don't you know, since last summer. Um that's what the depth chart's laid out as. You have uh your will and your Mike and then a nickel where Chill Williams is the starting fifth defensive back. Um and then as we kind of hinted at last week, uh with the articles that were coming out, uh Melifanwu is on that uh second cornerback starting spot across from Christopher Frederick. So we're definitely uh getting the most out of our uh, very talented uh, secondary. Um, and also Antoine Tordy, who we talked about last week, is like trying to figure out where he'd shake out. He's behind Andre Sisto on the depth chart. It wouldn't surprise me to see him kind of all over the place. I wouldn't be shocked to see him in that nickel, that nickel role either. Uh, right now, Alan Stritzinger is uh, behind True Williams in that role. Um, and we also will probably still see some 4 3 looks uh, because that's what we ended up going with most last year. Obviously, part of that is because the linebackers ended up progressing a lot and that's still a question mark here Um, but you know if Michael Jones uh, who is second at the will spot uh, right now takes a big step forward you know you might see him uh, on the field more than we thought but it's all you know we're not totally sure it'll shake out until we see uh, a game Saturday or maybe not even until we're into ACC play here
0: yeah I mean knowing Dino and he did this last year too uh, you kind of saved some of your tricks for for that big ACC game to start the year last year that was Florida State this year it's Clemson uh, so I, I'm sure that if Dino can avoid it, he'd love to be able to keep most of the tricks in the bag. Uh, I know we noticed that Tyrell Richards, while there were a lot of headlines about him you know, in the offseason, at the early going, uh, he's not on the step chart again, just like he wasn't at the, uh, at the first step chart of summer camp. I think we're going to see plenty of him, though, whether it's in that 4-3 look um, or potentially just as like a you know rover-type, I I know this isn't a real defense, but I'd be very curious knowing that McKinley Williams is out for at least this week, um, maybe longer. Who knows? Um, if SU would just decide to say like F it" and just run some like wacky, uh, you know, like three three five or or like a three two six, which is again is not a defense, um, and just like start like throwing some random ideas. Would you, if you had a three three five and then you know had uh, Richards kind of come up. You know, as really like that fourth, um, fourth lineman's uh, like flex linebacker, like that probably leaves you susceptible against the pass. But at the same time, like I don't know, could be could be a curious look. I- I'm definitely intrigued to see how they use Richards in particular. Um, also excited, hopefully, to see a lot more Trill this year. I know he, he made an impact last year, uh, here and there, uh, and-, and we're all really excited about the talent he brings to the table. But I, I think seeing him more consistently out there is only going to help him and help defense.
1: Yeah, uh, it wouldn't shock me to see a three-three-five look. I think we saw a bit of it last year, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I'd have to go back. I, you know, I, it's kind of a blur now. But um, I know in the last couple of years, we've definitely seen a bit of it. And uh, with all the defensive back talent, um, if like our linebackers step up, uh, it wouldn't be a total shock to see something using uh, that alignment. Although, um, basically, it, it seems like we're probably going to be rolling five defensive backs out most of the time. Um, and then obviously the defensive line is farther ahead than the linebacker. So you, you assume this, uh, this nickel look, uh, you know, or the four five is what makes more sense based on the talent, but, um, it could also be kind of a game to game thing based on what the other teams bring. Like when we're playing Boston college and they're, and they're, you know, running the ball 45 times for three and a half yards a carry, like you're probably going to want a, more of a four three. Um, and you know, it, it, I think we've learned that this defense can kind of, uh, be malleable, which is always good. Um, we're not going to like force ourselves into uh, just one hole. And having some positional depth and and uh, across the defense, aside from linebacker, really helps because you can kind of shape it how how you want on a week to week basis. And that really worked out well last year.
0: Agreed, agreed. Uh, looking at the other side of the uh, the field for this one, uh, Liberty also released their uh, depth chart today. Have we? Heard if Ryan Willis, the Auburn transfer, is a, is is actually going to be able to go because I I've yet to see anything that indicates uh, whether he is or isn't. I know that he is not on the depth chart uh, for Week One right now. Uh, that's going to uh, Stephen Calvert, but like I, I I've just I've rarely seen a high prof higher profile transfer from like an SEC school go somewhere and, and for us still like not to know his his eligibility status. Uh, um.
1: Aub- I'm just now being reminded that he's there because, in everything I've read about Liberty, it's all been about Calvert, who obviously was the starter, I think, all of last year. Yeah. Um, I now remember that Ryan Will is there and he's like a former four star guy. He played at Auburn. Um, You would think he'd be a guy who could challenge for playing time, but yeah, I I, I have no idea. I I don't know what his status is at all. I'm going to do a tertiary look here, Um, but he hasn't really come up in any of the kind of preview material I've read for this game.
0: Yeah. I mean, I looked on Google, I looked on Twitter, I, I have scoured the internet. I've yet to see anything about him. Uh, he, was, he
1: was Virginia Tech. He wasn't Auburn.
0: Oh, you're right. Was Ryan Willis? No, sorry. That What was – who is the guy? Who is it? Is it not Ryan? No, it's it's not cool. Ryan Willis. It's That's Malik cool. Willis. That's why I couldn't find
1: him. <laughs> yeah, okay. So we had the school and, right. We had the last name right. We did not have the first name right because there are multiple Willises playing quarterback in the Southeast. Um, yeah, that's
0: that's my fault. What? But we still don't know if he's playing.
1: <laughs> he was seeking immediate eligibility, and there he was. Yeah, uh, yeah. This is this is odd. Yeah, I'm not seeing anything past like July 9th to July 10th, which is when he made his decision. That's very strange. Yeah, oh, super weird. Four hours ago, there was something <laughs> from the Liberty uh, site, Sea of Red. Uh, This is great radio.
0: We're gonna figure this out. Uh,
1: No update as of today. (laughs) They expect it by Wednesday. So yeah, his waiver hasn't been cleared because, and and this goes whether you're Syracuse or Liberty or Alabama or whomever. Um, Not if you're Michigan, (laughs) but if you're like (laughs) anyone else, um, the NCAA will not do anything uh, under a timetable that makes sense. Like, you know, we're playing a football game on Saturday. Maybe we can find out if uh, our SEC transfer quarterback can play. Not like – even if it's no, at least you have something. Like, this is ridiculous. And, and and obviously this is like – if anything, it might benefit Syracuse. It's still ridiculous.
0: Yeah, this is – Zod. I know too, it seems like they are going to be miss- – there's a lot of question marks at receiver for them, which is not going to bode well if you want to keep up with SU – uh, it seems. I mean, I'm looking at of uh, Red as well. Uh, looks like uh, looks like right now uh, Noah Frith is out with a fractured foot. Uh, Caleb Coleman, C.J. Yarbrough are questionable. Um, that's not, again, a great thing for them uh, right off the bat. And then it looks like they've been able to add, make some Juco ads on both sides of the ball. Um just to kind of help with depth and, and and the move up from FCS to FBS ball. So again, I, I'm I'm pretty confident in in SU's ability to win here. Um, there's some Liberty fans that are very confident in their ability to win. Um, I I've seen like here and there just like murmurs of like oh yeah, here's just one to like watch as like a potential like you know upset because it's a weird game on the road. But I uh, saw a, a couple different Liberty fans like really like gassing them up. Um, and I think it's kind of entertaining, not to say it couldn't happen in a million years, but more just that, I don't know if I'd be so confident, um, if it was our first FBS game and we hadn't really looked all that great for the last few years. And we were definitely going up against a top 25 team with superior talent, but Hey, crazier things have happened. I just hope that, 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 that crazier thing is not, uh, is, is not what occurs on Saturday.
1: Yeah. So I, I think if you're a Liberty fan and, and God forbid, um if you're a Liberty fan, you have God would forbid. Yes. Um oh God. Uh if you're a Liberty fan, you are you are banking on God' forgiveness, but that's beyond that's besides the football point. Um there's reason to be optimistic. Q Freeze is a really good coach. Um assuming he's able to kind of clean his resume up there, uh, at Liberty, he's probably gonna be gone in a couple of years, so you enjoy him while you got him. Um is your time kind of doing the Bobby Petrino Western Kentucky thing. Um but uh, the, he's raised a talent level there. Um, he signed like a pretty good class for a, for a G5, much better than they have signed re- uh, in their like short FBS history, better than Turner Dill was signing and Turner Dill didn't do a bad job there. Um, so like, I think there's reasons to be optimistic. This just isn't the, if Syracuse is, you know, what we expect them to be like a solid bowl team, maybe better. Um, this is, isn't the spot where like your are are you know, moving forward program that just signed some, like, decent freshmen and got, like, a handful of JUCOs. Like, this isn't the spot where you land up an upset win. That's in a couple of years, probably. Um, So I understand why they're optimistic about the program as a whole. I think um saying you're going to beat, like, a solid ACC bowl team that could be as good as, like, the second-best team in the ACC, um, and obviously the, that's the big question. Like, you don't know how good Syracuse is going to be. But, like – even if Syracuse is at the bottom end of expectations without like completely falling apart, uh, that's a big ask. So um, I get being bullish on like the direction they're heading in general, just because you made a very, very splashy uh, coach hire. You're recruiting. Well, um, you might have a former Auburn quarterback at some point here. I get all that. It's just like, take a step back and like, maybe, maybe respect that there is a process here and not just like you have Hugh freeze and you are going to beat Alabama. Like, it's just not how it works.
0: Yeah, I they're 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 a puzzling group for so many reasons. I won't even get into them, uh, but yeah, I, I think that you know this. If this was year one for Babers, or even like year two, or if like the beginning of last year and we didn't know what Babers was capable of at SU, I'd say yeah, like maybe like there's there's some sort of concern there. But like realistically, like there is just again, it's too much of a talent gap. Um, SU is proven I mean I know Tommy DeVito is a first-time starter but he played plenty last year uh th- this team is is experienced they're driven I think that this is you know th- those are like stupid intangibles in some ways but in others like this is just a very good football team and, and I'd, I'd be shocked if they're not ready to play in this one um I I think I think if anyone is circling an early season kind of upset I think the Maryland game um is the much larger um You know, concern, and that's something that we'll talk about next week um, as we get you know more into uh, what should be again an exciting, exciting football season for Syracuse. Uh, One other thing, I guess, I want to talk about before we hit halftime: our uh, our why Syracuse finishes with a given record series, Um, as everyone recalls. uh, My dog James was the uh, reigning champion for most accurate prediction on the internet. He picked eight and four last year. Syracuse went nine and three. Um, now he went ten and two this year. So let's see what happens. He uh, he picked us to beat Clemson. So I I am feeling pretty good about his his predictions so far.
1: So what you're telling us is that James was a disloyal idiot like the rest of us. I mean he, he was too too win shy.
0: <laughs> well, he refused to pick the ball game, so admittedly he could have gone with nine and four and he would have only been one off.
1: Yeah, still 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 shy. Let's still shy.
0: I mean, um, when you consider <laughs> that the rest of us said six and six is kind of the ceiling.
1: Um, no, it's uh, like, what's all hope? He has the same the same short prediction, and we go uh, 11 and one. They're, I guess maybe 12 and one. That'd be fine. That'd be decent.
0: Yeah, this year he said 11 and three, uh, w- w- which included a trip to the ACC Championship game where we lost to Virginia, which would be a fate that honestly I don't want. Um, if only because of how Virginia fans have reacted so humbly around the uh, the championship that they won in men's basketball, um, I, I don't really want to experience what happens in football um, should they beat us in a championship game. And then he has this beating LSU in the Orange Bowl, though. So props to him.
1: That would be that be such a confusing beating be, beating Clemson and LSU and losing to uh, Virginia and who else does he have us losing to? Uh,
0: Western Michigan. Western Michigan because he because he's scared of horses.
1: Oh god, um,
0: that's the most Syracuse result ever. First of all,
1: that's <laughs> second actually, split, oh, glitch in the matrix. That's the the ultimate uh, uh, letdown spot is that Western Michigan game, and it's a very very fiery Luster.
0: I mean, the submarine is he, he goes deep without warning. To quote Just, one XFL card. <laughs>
1: Which is still in my closet, I think. I don't know if I threw it away. I did like a spring cleaning. Um, I think I still have it. I might have thrown it away. Um, because I looked at him like, oh, he means nothing to me anymore. Um, Maybe I Tim Lester's means- going to suit
0: up for, uh, for what the, uh, what's the New York I team thought,
1: called? Oh, the, uh, like the Empires or something. Oh, the, oh, the, oh,
0: oh the, the Guardians. The
1: they're, they're like gargoyles. They should have made the gargoyles.
0: Yeah. And every team is just like, you know, like uh, patriotism signaling.
1: It, it really, except for the <laughs> Seattle Dragons.
0: Although that's dope. Dragons really need to be a better, like, more used as a mascot.
1: <laughs> yeah, but they just like so blatantly stole UAB's logo. It's pretty hilarious.
0: They also blatantly stole the Houston Oilers logo. Yeah, well, that, that's <laughs>
1: even worse. At least that, that one is just, is just the logo. Cool. Maybe they thought maybe they were just going through defunct franchises and they didn't get the memo that UAB was back.
0: They went on. Well, you, knowing them, they probably just like went on Chris Creamer.
1: <laughs> and they're like, if we just
0: change the colors, who's gonna notice? They changed they the it like,
1: like, they changed like the width of the dragon. Like, they made it slightly stinnier.
0: They did it with a with a Dallas team too, where they stole the uh, Arena League's Dallas Desperados logo.
1: Yeah, it really. They all look like they were made in the Madden Creative Team. Like, even the color schemes are bad, and they're like color schemes that like an eleven year old, like eleven year old playing Madden who doesn't really understand how like what colors work together so he's like yeah. yeah i'm gonna make this black with like some weird uh accents but that they still like get very confused like the the, the new york team's like uh logo so bad it, it it's just none of it makes any sense
0: agreed uh this has been your xfl podcast um i guess we're just calling it extreme footcast where we we talk about the xfl feet and uh and blind patriotism
1: <laughs> you act like there's not a market for this
0: i know i know there's a market for it
1: <laughs> unfortunately the the sfl portion is the the least uh marketable part of that um <laughs> we could we could just come up with personas welcome to the danger zone <laughs> i'm the wildcat <laughs> when does the sfl actually start
0: uh the week after the super bowl oh, God, that's so they're doing they, they're doing that 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 thing that everyone else is trying and doesn't work. I think that's exactly.
1: I mean, the AF I think was not maybe not right after, but like soon, like it was probably a couple weeks after. I think the original um, XFL was this. I was gonna say we should like it'd be it'd be just basically ripping off like a full cast bit, but we we should uh, consider um, <laughs> trying just doing an okay, unannounced it. XFL podcast uh, sometime in the spring.
0: Yeah, that'd be a good time, actually. Maybe the
1: week of the NCAA tournament instead of a basketball podcast.
0: <laughs> just, just as everyone would expect with this show.
1: How mad would people be if oh, we the, just... The rage? We a bast- like we, it's, it says it's basketball. Like, oh, we're talking about Syracuse as the fourth seed in the East going up against Liberty again somehow. Um, the 13, and like we're going to break it all down. Talk about Elijah Hughes' uh, first-team acc campaign. But then it's just all... SFL talk it's a, we're not gonna watch any xfl so we're not gonna actually know what we're talking about either
0: <laughs> well we might if eric Dungey plays
1: that's true i will absolutely watch eric Dungey play in the xfl i'll watch eric Dungey do anything
0: true uh we, we we discovered on twitter at the uh watch eric Dungey uh jump over a crane um <laughs> idea was what was the Big hell crane. what the hell was the name there was somebody had a great name um Oh, it was Dungy Jumping. Yes, <laughs> was perfect. It was, was the name of the show. I said, like, we absolutely need this on the ACC network. You can't tell me they have better programming options available.
1: Um, no. So the question is, is, Dun- is Dungy going to be a gargoyle or a guardian or whatever, or a dragon as a, as a native Pacific Northwesterner?
0: You know, I feel like, I feel like we're going to do like territorial rights here uh, with these players. I mean, that is how they're doing
1: it, actually, yes. That's I mean, super probably, smart. He's probably a, a guardian.
0: Right.
1: Which is is not the appropriate mascot for Dungy. He's never darted anything, including his <laughs> own personal well being, or but, his loins, or his yeah, or his loins. <laughs> um, but here we are. The I want the hell out of Dungy Ball. Um, so that was, I'll um, do. Yeah, he, yeah, that's he, like he, the he, one thing you could do. And also, they need to get like they like however many Syracuse players they want to get on that team. Like, uh, obviously, Amba's hurt, but like Steve Ishmael, get him back in the mix. He's um, hurt. Oh god, god damn it. Um Andrew Luck,
0: I'm sure he's available.
1: I love that conspiracy theory, yes. Yeah, yeah. He's going to give up his his uh 20, <laughs> like whatever millions available still the play for his dead. The play for his dad's shitty league. Um that's the same one. guy, the
0: same guy who said that Air Force was more valuable to the Big East than Syracuse was that guy.
1: God, Oliver Luck's awful. Um, Expert businessman. Dead that, that Irv Phillips on the team. Um, he was in the AAF, so he he deserves a shot. Um, yeah, let's just make this happen.
0: Yeah, get Amari. Amari Palmers already uh, in the wrestling um, stratosphere.
1: He's in the family. Yeah, perfect.
0: Yeah, th- th- this will work.
1: Uh, <laughs> Somehow we just talked ourselves into watching the SFL after making fun of the SFL three minutes ago.
0: We're here. Let's... Uh...
1: Like we have nothing else to talk about this week.
0: I know. <laughs> but we already said this is a weird week. Uh, in any case, let's hear from our sponsor. And we're back with some beer. Uh, Dan, what have you been drinking?
1: Uh, Dan, not a ton of new things, but I did enjoy uh, some of the Subliminal Verses from Watch City that I've been sitting in my fridge for a while. Uh, luckily, they taste great still. Um, no real, I mean, it's a stout, so no real like aging concern there. Uh, and then I had uh, some KCBC, some Superhero Side Tits uh, IPA, which was delicious.
0: Very nice. On my end, uh, went out for some happy hour on Friday, grabbed a uh, Picnic Lightning from uh, Browridge West, uh, their brewery over here in L.A. It was an unfiltered uh, West Coast IPA. It was pretty good. Had uh, I'm sure you guys probably have seen this on shelves over by you, but the uh, Stone Notorious POG uh, Berliner Weiss is excellent. Uh, Literally just tastes like juice, Um, but super, super refreshing. Um, Had from State Brewing around here, Tiny Motor, uh, New England Pale Ale. Had a 1903 lager from Craftsman Brewing, which I usually enjoy when I see it on Draft. Uh, Modern Time Spaceways, uh, Hazy IPA, and then uh, Burn Daylight Brewing, which I mentioned like a month or so ago Uh, down Lomita. I grabbed a can of their uh, Pines IPA, which is pretty good
1: very nice. I haven't, I don't know if I've seen that stone, um, but I'll keep a lookout for it. Cause you know, that it's all over.
0: Yeah. I would highly recommend that one. Like I said, it's a uh, super refreshing, really good. I mean, it's, it's not as like addicting against grapefruit sculpting, but I uh, de- definitely, can, definitely probably going to get a six pack of it. I just grabbed like a, you know, whatever the hell that like 16, 17 ounce can, whatever they sell. Grab one of those first to try it out. Yeah. I'll, I'll be grabbing more for sure. Very nice. So I guess with the rest of our time here, and, you know, we don't have to make this like a huge episode necessarily. Um, another topic I wanted to bring up was uh, our new uh, feature. Uh, are you there, Troy? It's me, Facebook. Now, for, <laughs> for those who are unaware, um, Facebook is terrible. Um, and the Facebook page for any site or just business or person will be terrible. And uh, this blog is no exception. Um, the people on there are not readers, to my knowledge. They, uh, they act like they, the articles don't exist and they only uh, serve to let them argue with one another about things that, that don't matter. Um, my, favorite art, my favorite comment from this one was probably uh, the following. Uh, while I don't believe this will actually happen, we're spelling out how it could. We start with the fact that there are a lot of toss-ups on the schedule, and should most of them fall in the wrong direction, there's a path to get there. Even if that's not the one we want to see, then why write the article? Make zero sense. Go orange. <laughs> oh, God. That one was great. The other one was... Oh, why would I read this, Cancer? <laughs> Which... Which, if that's not a ring endorsement of uh, of this blog, I don't know what is.
1: I enjoy I enjoy the guy who got really mad about the team not tucking their shirts in in Italy.
0: Oh yeah, he was he was definitely a respects the troops guy. Um, and then also, I'd rather
1: lose to Kansas than beat Niagara perfect.
0: That was also great. I think the best one actually might have been the comment on the article about it about from Sean's nine and three article, which was. Um, in all caps, enough of the crap, let them
1: play, and what happens, happens. That's also just wonderful. Like, there should be no content made about sports ever. Like, the yes. games those games and the results are all that matter. Um, we, we shouldn't ever discuss, like, what may happen or what did happen. Um, we should never discuss any ancillary uh, things around the stool. It's just results, baby. We just <laughs> want the numbers. You actually shouldn't even watch the games. You should just check the stores, but not on the internet, because it doesn't matter. Um, you should just like maybe drive to a, I don't know, maybe there should be a big bulletin board somewhere in each town and you just look at the stores and then you drive home and then you just digest that 34 to, to 14 win that Syracuse had over Liberty. And just like, you, you just come to your own feelings about that.
0: I, I, I agree. I, I think that, I, I think that facts only blogs are, are the only blogs. Um, they're the only opinions that matter either. Um because because obviously the only opinions are made of facts.
1: <laughs> oh, I love people so much.
0: <laughs> Challenge me.
1: <laughs>
0: um Dan, what would be the most surprising thing um for you to happen to Syracuse football this year? Good, bad, or otherwise?
1: Uh the most surprising thing would be like winning the national championship. Um I think that would go just ahead of like a winless season. you have the most. Are, like, about, you
0: have the most surprisingly reasonable thing.
1: Oh, okay. Um, I think dipping back down to like four and eight or three and nine would be pretty surprising. I, I just I don't see with how how with the returning talent on this team. Um, just acknowledging there are some question marks, but they're not like they're not crazy question marks. They're college football question marks like that every team has somewhere. Like Alabama has linebacker questions um it's like obviously their linebackers are five stars ours are three stars but still like our question marks for Syracuse this year are very much like grounded in like what teams deal with every season um so considering all the talent and all the depth that we are returning from a 10-win team and a quarterback who at the very like has won like pretty big college football games already um obviously kept us from losing a bad North Carolina team and then beat a talented, if very flawed, Florida State team like a drum. Um I'd be very surprised if we slipped back below I would say even bowl eligibility. Like I, I think sits and sits should be the floor for this team. Um
0: barring with, a DeVito injury, yeah. I have to barring a DeVito
1: injury would change the the outlook. Like that's like even even beyond the linebackers and some other things, like I think the quarterback depth is the single um biggest concern just because like it's it's very like we don't even have a um like we have nothing proven behind him. So that'd be very troubling. But if he stays healthy, um yeah, I, I struggle to think that this team doesn't uh doesn't eclipse, you know, probably a solid sits and sits to, to eight and four. Um outside of that, like, you know, nine or ten wins seem like more likely than than four or five to me.
0: Yeah, I think the numbers say that ten wins are just as likely as five, uh, which is fun, and that's an entertaining place to live uh, for a football program, especially uh, for regular
1: season. Like that's, I think you'll sign for that.
0: Yeah, usually. I, I think for me, I don't know if this would be surprising um, for most, like long tenured Syracuse fans or even short tenured Syracuse fans, um, but I feel like it's well within the realm of possibility that Syracuse goes ten and two but misses the Orange Bowl. Uh, because uh lsu is ranked higher and because they decide and because notre dame's like steals the orange ball for like their their once in a like six-year stretch that they're allowed to do so because they're also ranked similarly
1: yeah that'd be very unfortunate we need to root for notre dame to like fall below like we need to like obviously don't play them this year which helps we need notre dame to like only only win eight games. That'd be very nice. If we're going to challenge for the orange bowl, which is a big question, we need to do a lot. But in that case, like it's, I shouldn't have to convince you too hard to root it in Notre Dame this year, but you should probably root it in Notre Dame this year. If we have like really lofty expectations.
0: Yeah. For a refresher for everybody, the, uh, the qualifications for the orange bowl, two out of every three years um, is just be the highest ranked ACC team in the college football playoff. Um, if the top ACC team goes to the, uh, playoff, well, be, so be the top ranked team in the playoff rankings. If the top team in the ACC finishes in the top four, and lately that's been Clemson. So if Clemson goes to the top four, the uh, orange Bowl two out of every three years is available to, and an automatic bid for the top ACC team, unless one out of every six years, I believe, um, Notre Dame can take that spot if they are ranked higher and or within, um, one win of the team they're up against so ideally um if Syracuse goes nine and three everyone will probably be pretty excited and then if Notre Dame is 10 and two or nine and three or even eight and four um eight and four would be tough just based on a rankings thing but realistically like if Notre Dame's ranked around the same place or ranked above like there's not necessarily going to be this uh it's Depending on who else is in that ranking area, um, there's a very real chance that SU gets left out. It also depends on what happens with SEC and Big Ten. The likelihood, though, that, that SU was ahead of the top you know, non-playoff Big Ten, SEC, and Notre Dame team seems pretty unlikely. And really, if... Given how the ACC's looked of late, where it's been pretty top-heavy with just Clemson and like us hanging around last year and maybe this year, like I feel like the Orange Bowl organizers would love to maybe take everybody up on that part of the arrangement. Yeah,
1: Yeah, I mean, I think realistically, if you can take Notre Dame um, when they're really good, and like in this in this scenario, like Notre Dame missing the playoff but finishing top ten or so or top fifteen even. Like you're gonna take Notre Dame over most teams. Their fans are all over the place. They'll travel pretty much wherever. Um, they'll get beat because that's what they do in the postseason. Um, but they'll still be there and spend money. Uh so yeah, like it'll be hard to blame them for taking Notre Dame over Syracuse in this uh in this uh situation. It'll just kinda stink because this'll be the second year in a row where like, you know, the, it been in the orange there. Ball. <laughs> and uh for reasons, you know. I would say, like, not even that related to us, just, like, I think we really, we, like, we've done a lot to prove ourselves as a fan base over the last uh, year, especially with that bowl showing where we, obviously, West Virginia fans were kind of checked out for a number of reasons, but, like, that doesn't really mean that we weren't going to show up, and we showed up in pretty big numbers to the Camping World Bowl. Um, I think that's going to really help us going forward. Um, Hopefully, if we do get left of the Orange Bowl, obviously like we we always the pinstripe bowl like we always talk about it like it's this like horrible thing um i just i I think people are gonna get like a little disillusioned if we end up there at nine or ten wins uh i hope we very well might which we very well might um because it just makes so much sense for us i hope we do go if we uh i hope people show up if we go um i would rather our next pinstripe bowl appearance be like a seven or eight win team i think that'll be i think people will, will be fine with that um 9 or 10, I think people want to do something more unique, more, like, special, even though, and we talk about it all the time, the pinstripe bowl is a higher-ranked bowl than it was when we've gone. So, right. um, yeah, hopefully uh, hopefully we don't have any, like, any situation where we really get through. Last year, we, we did a bit, but then we really, like, it could have been worse, and we we ended up getting that bowl that people thought might go to, uh, what was the team that they thought might steal it? Um,
0: NC State, and then yes. the Gator Ball opened up and it allowed both of us to go because they, they were convinced, I think, and this is you know partially Wild Hack and some other folks convincing them that the Syracuse, West Virginia crowd was going to be better than like an NC State, um, Oklahoma State, or something like that crowd.
1: Which I don't know how that shook out, but I, it wasn't our fault if it wasn't. Like, we had more fans there than anyone expected.
0: We were top 10. I think the game was top 10 in terms of attendance, like other than the playoff games.
1: The Gator Bowl last year attendance was thirty eight thousand. So uh, Wild Heck was right, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and we were—I think we were over fifty. Yeah, I mean it was well attended
0: game. I think uh, it was
1: forty one. Yeah, so it was oh. not that. It was it was a decent amount more, or you know a couple thousand more. But that's you know the couple thousand more were coming from the Northeast largely versus right. NC State versus A and M, which you know, A&M has way more fans than either us or West Virginia and NC state is the most local of any of those teams. So yeah, I think, I think wild hack uh, did not lie (laughs) and, and it was largely because of Syracuse fans, Syracuse fans packed that thing.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm psyched about that. And I I think, yeah, I think people need to remember with the pinstripe ball. Like when we, when we last went was 2012. So it really was like a while ago at this point. Yeah. Uh, and, And on top of that, like the, the, tie ins have changed so much like back then it was like the fifth or sixth place like big 12 team against um you know like whatever region like whatever regionally adjacent you know big east team now it's like the fourth or fifth best big 10 team versus like a you know it's it's a tier two game in, in the ACC. and tier two games also include the Russell athletic bowl um or not the Russell the camp world bowls in there um the Denver sun bowl, bowl you know, we
1: it's like tier one and a half. It's in a weird spot.
0: Yeah, ACC does like a weird thing. But they they do try to both create variants and group teams regionally where they can. Um, so really, like, if we make a bowl in four out of five years, one of those four, we're going to be in a strike bowl, even if we won 10 games, all of them.
1: Yeah, I think it's going to be easier for people to deal with what, if we are in a cycle where we're making a bowl. of the time, and we're going to the pinstripe every three or four years, because then you're getting a lot of different bowl experiences, because they're not going to want to send us every year, versus like, we went back to back; two of our bowl games in a row were pinstripe, and then we had the Texas Bowl, which was kind of weird, and then people thought we were going to start there again, and it just seemed like this is going to become like a kind of like fate, like, oh, Syracuse is bowl eligible, here's where they will go, and last year, the attendance really helped, Um, I think, honestly, this year, the season ticket situation, uh, which has been so so impressive like we've faced a lot of questions about our fan base uh some rights, some rightfully some wrongfully um i think we've answered a lot of them and i didn't honestly expect one 10 win season to to spur the turnaround we've had um where we're, we're going to have our highest attendance in like 25 years probably this year you uh, guys I expect- showed the hell up yeah no and like, i expected us to probably sell another 4 or 5000 season tickets and we're gonna probably push 10 that's nuts um, and then that's after a really, really good bowl showing. So I think the Syracuse fan base has really uh, done a number on like rejecting any like, oh, this is a bad fan base. This is a school that only really cares about basketball. Um, I think it's really gone like, oh no, they just really needed a reason to believe in this team. And like a couple eight win seasons were nice and they helped a little bit. Um, but but when they're followed up by you know crashing back to earth, um, you obviously lose all of that goodwill. Ten wins is really something. Uh Playing Clemson two really, really tough years in a row is something um like i'm I'm personally impressed by what a difference uh that season made. I thought it we would it would take a couple of those years to really get to where we the progress we've had in one year, and obviously some credit goes to like the ticket office and s u a who has really capitalized on it um but yeah, like it's been very encouraging
0: yeah, I mean. Uh, if any non-Syracuse fans happen to be listening, like you know, nine thousand or so season tickets, like doesn't sound like a ton, but when you consider the fact that nine thousand new season tickets in a venue that fits less than fifty thousand fans, that's huge.
1: I, like, it's also, it's also like you know, schools don't all sell the same like like number. I saw there was like Rutgers fans making fun. It was like Rutgers had like thirty thousand season tickets a couple years ago or whatever, and that's it's been like sliced in half since because of but but like. Rutgers, it's a state school, it's a much bigger school, they're selling uh, to, I'm guessing, a lot more, um, like, just local, like, things tied into the state, Um, you can't really compare it, and then the raw attendance numbers, Syracuse had more people, so, like, just as Rutgers has more season ticket holders than Syracuse, even though they've had losing seasons, like, Syracuse is only choosing to sell a certain percentage as season tickets, and you can't really compare apples to apples yeah apples absolutely to <laughs> literally literally <laughs> or, apples, groan, or, or, or to rotten
0: oranges. or rotten apples to oranges yes
1: yeah, so like you know we it's it's just always going to be a very unique thing because we're a private school because you have people uh you know it's in a, a, a you know decent sized metropolitan area but you to really start to hit capacity you have to push like the rochester tickets you have the utica the binghamton um, even Albany, um so it's just like a different situation versus like yeah if we were an hour and a half from new york city and our alumni were all right here yeah we could probably sell 30,000 season tickets more easily or 16,000 season tickets like has been uh the case more recently for them but yeah so either way selling 9,000 more um or 9,000 is, is is really impressive and uh very commendable and hopefully i, I mean hitting that 10,000 number doesn't even seem that ridiculous like the push continues i assume they're gonna sell seasons up until the season starts um and then they'll probably start to sell some multi-game packs especially if things start uh things start hot i can't even imagine what will happen if we beat clemson like they might sell out the rest of the year like it's not that's not that crazy
0: yeah no i i completely agree i i, I shudder to think what happens next um i think we'll get to plenty of clemson uh in a couple of weeks um as that's going to be arguably i mean even if god forbid something happened against maryland um, I still think it's gonna be one of the more anticipated games at the dome in you know, the last couple decades. So I'm psyched about that. I can't wait to cover everything around that game. Uh Dan, before we go, a quick prediction. What do you think happens and why against Liberty?
1: Um I'm gonna I'm gonna drink the kool aid here. Uh I feel good about it. I think Liberty, I I think they're going to be a reasonably decent G5 opponent, but I think this team is gonna come in motivated. They're gonna want to prove that last year wasn't a fluke. Um, not that there's like a lot of talk of that, but, um, you know, I think there are still some question marks over like, okay, where are they going to go from this one, you know, blippy season? Um, and like, I, I just, I don't think getting motivated for week one should be that hard. Um, for any team, it's just like, you haven't played in, in eight months. Um, DeVito's in a lot of out there and really prove himself. Uh, so I'm going to take, uh, I'm going to go Syracuse 38, uh, Liberty 14.
0: All right. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you. I think this team's going to be pretty jacked up. Obviously, having a number next to your name even more so, I think that there's a lot of veteran guys who want to go out with a bang. I think there's a lot of new guys who want to show themselves. Um, I'm going to go a little bit higher scoring. I think this one ends up being 48-24 in favor of the Orange. Um, I think most of that is you know Liberty just kind of hanging around for a bit, um, scoring enough points to keep it respectable-ish. But overall, like, SU ends up, you know, closing the door uh, with reasonable amount of time remaining. Um, I don't think we'll be, like, thrilled about the result, but I don't think we're going to be disappointed by it either. Um, fully expect uh, SU to take home the victory here.
1: Yeah, can't wait. It's it's felt like a, a very long time since the Champion World Bowl, and obviously the expectations have been unlike anywhere where I think either of us have seen them, at least in recent memory. Um, so, yeah, just... I think it's a nice first opponent too. Obviously, aside from like the, the off-field issues, like the level of opponent where it's not like a total, it's not like an FCS team where you could win in nothing and not learn anything. I think it'll be enough of a challenge to like we'll, we'll pick up on some stuff, kind of like the Western Michigan game last year, which was a circus for a number of reasons. But um, the dumbest game.
0: Hopefully,
1: hopefully not as as weirdly dramatic as that one. Um, but. Uh, hopefully the offense looks similar at least through three quarters, uh, through the first, second, and fourth quarter, uh, as it did to that one.
0: Next actually reminds me that you and I were going to uh, do the research on that like dumb dumb game thing that we just never did this off season.
1: Oh uh, yeah, we should remind. We should set like a reminder of some sort to do that for next year for like May.
0: Maybe 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 there will be no more new dumb games.
1: Oh, that's false. Like we're not <laughs> a dumb game this year. We already said Duke is probably the dumb game. Yeah, um, that's the the look ahead dumb game spot. Um, although one of the one of the the key factors of dumb games is that you don't actually know when they're coming. Um, no, we should definitely do that in May Just have like a the the, the ten dumbest games of like at least our ten years watching the Oranges. You you really have to see them to know them. Oh um, yeah, but but
0: when you see them, you know them.
1: So I think it probably has to be like G Rob through Babers.
0: G Rob didn't. As far as dumb games go, I think G Rob had like a couple.
1: I think his dumb games are the wins.
0: His, yes, his dumb games are the, the Louisville win.
1: Absolutely a dumb game.
0: Yeah, the, the Louisville win, um, the Wyoming near loss, the Notre Dame win. The Iowa game. The Iowa game, which would be the only loss. And those are really it. Like, I think those are the games.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um,
0: Marone had his own brand of dumb game.
1: The first the Minnesota game. The first Marone name was a dumb game.
0: Yeah. Marone had, Marone yeah, had a lot. yeah he, had, he had a ton, to be honest. Like, he's going to be the prevailing the, name the on this Louisville, list.
1: The Louisville game in 09 might be the topper. The 10 to 9. Let's never speak of this again. Yeah, um, Rutgers 2012. Rutgers 2012. A lot of the 2012 games. Yeah, um, most like, 2012 is
0: like, a dumb season.
1: <laughs> yeah, we were threading such a needle those two bowl seasons and some of those wins. It was like, it was super thrilling and fun, but. I much prefer like beating teams by twenty one. <laughs> yeah, it's it's way easier on everyone. Um, you don't have to like convince yourself that you won a game. Uh, so yeah, we should definitely do that in the off season, uh, yeah. which luckily is very far away now because it's week one.
0: Yeah, Schaefer's dumb games were like were were, were, were they like save face losses? Oh, it was like, oh, we lost to Clemson sixteen six, and you can't remember like anything about the
1: game. <laughs> the, the AJ Long game, the AJ Long game, was absolutely a dumb game. We at, we should have won that game if we had if we had if we had like a Babers C plus offense, we would have won that game by two touchdowns.
0: <laughs> that game, the LSU loss, the other L, the other Clemson loss, Such all dumb, dumb games. Yeah, any anyway. game
1: where where a, a Syracuse kicker or a punter ran for yardage (laughs) was a dumb game. oh yeah the villanova game villanova absolutely top one of the top dumb names
0: yeah because you get the automatic dumb factor of starting quarterback uh pushes somebody (laughs) gets kicked out now let's see what happens
1: oh my god Uh, Christ, it's almost like unfortunate that such a high percentage can qualify we really need to whittle it down to like top ten over well then i
0: I think what we need is like three different articles and there's like different varieties of dumb games
1: yeah they're they really they really do have a there's a spectrum
0: yeah for sure. it's like there's like frustratingly dumb hilariously dumb, and then there's like mind numbingly dumb <laughs> <laughs> all right um with that in mind, uh Dan, anything else before we go?
1: no, I'm just really hoping that that Saturday is not joining this list
0: i would very much agree uh, for many many reasons uh, anyway that was dan i'm john thank you everybody for listening to troy noons is an absolute podcast you rate review subscribe on itunes on megaphone on spotify on stitcher on numerous other apps and services and go orange, go orange.